You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. Today we're going to be talking about getting past the failures from your past. And if we're real truthful with one another, all of us have, at one time or another, done something or said something that we wish we hadn't. Isn't that true? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Wow, a lot more of of you than in the first service, okay? Uh, Here's the deal. Several years ago, I went with uh, three of my buddies up to Cincinnati. We visited the old Riverfront Stadium to go see the Reds play. And as we were walking in, we were kind of hustling because we didn't want to miss the first pitch. And I wasn't paying attention where I was going. I was pointing out to one of the guys who'd never been to Cincinnati before, a number of the landmarks up on the, on the hills, you know, that the city is built on. And just as I turned to focus on where I was going, I couldn't have timed it any better. It just coincidentally, or maybe God has a really weird sense of humor, but I turned and I walked right into this big metal pole. And, I mean, my head bounces off the pole. I wore glasses at the time. My glasses were cockeyed. My hat, my Reds hat was knocked off. And my friends start laughing, and I'm just stunned. I mean, I'm kind of stunned by it all of a sudden. And then when I realized, what's just happened? And I'm an American male, right? I don't stop walking, all right? I just keep going like nothing has happened. But my head has just bounced off of this metal pole. And uh, once I realize what I've done, I'm just embarrassed. I mean, I'm just embarrassed. My friends are laughing. And there is this young woman walking right next to me. It's just this flow of humanity going to the stadium. And she's laughing out loud. And I looked at her a little bit like, you know, down on her, a little condemning. I said, what is so funny? And she goes, you just ran into that pole. You know, I don't even know you. And that is really not nice, you know. (laughs) The truth is, it was embarrassing. It's not the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but I was totally humiliated. In front of about 150 people, I'll never see ever again. But you know those moments? You ever have those? There's a lot of things, if we're frank about it, that are a lot worse than that. Things that I've done and said that I wish I could, you know have a second chance. I wish I had a mulligan. I'd love to take those things that I did wrong, some of the big things, and just go back in a time machine and redo it, live it differently. I'm sure this is probably true for all of us. If we're honest, we all have things that we've done and that we've said that we wish we hadn't. For many of us, it's a lot more serious than just reflecting on those things. It's difficult for us to get beyond our own past. Some of those things resonate, and they have a defining power. We may know that God has forgiven us for the sins that fall into this category, but we're having a difficult time forgiving ourselves. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that every week I, I encounter people who are dealing with the guilt of their sexual past, You did something that at the time seemed fun and right, but now, years later, there's this baggage of guilt that you're carrying around with you. It might even be affecting your marriage today or your present state of mind, and you're thinking, I just wish I hadn't done that. 
For others, it's this reoccurring sin. There's something that you do, and you've done it for a long, long time, and the pattern is this. You do it, and then you pray for forgiveness. God, I'll never do it again. You make these promises to him, and then you go a week, or maybe two weeks, or maybe longer, and then all of a sudden, you, you find yourself doing it again. You feel like you're carrying this huge weight from your past. You can't seem to shake this sin that continues to dog you, continues to tempt you. Or maybe, maybe you're that person who said something to somebody that you love, and really you didn't mean it. I mean, you may have felt it at the time, but you didn't really mean it, and now you feel bad because you can't unsay it, and you regret it. And you hate it. And you don't know what to do about it. And then there are those people here, unfortunately, that are divorced today. And they have this deep sense of guilt about that. They think that if they just tried harder or prayed a little more or worked a little more, it could have been different. They could have maybe saved the marriage. But that's not what happened. Many people, because of their past feel a lot like King David did when he wrote Psalm 38, verse 4. Listen to what he said. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Ever felt that way? If you feel that way, what is happening? Why is that? Well, for some of us, our past continues to follow us. It's like an anchor we're dragging behind us. Here's what I hope that you'll understand this morning. This is a key point in this talk. Is simply this. Every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past, every sinner has a future. You can look everywhere in the world, and every Christian that God works through is a person, a Christian who has a past that by the power of God they've been cut free or set free from. By the power of God through Jesus, God can help you overcome your past. A few years ago, it's been a long time ago, but it, it doesn't seem like it's all that long ago, but it's a long time ago, I bought my wife Anne a gift for her birthday while we were dating. It's been almost three and a half decades ago now. And she's as beautiful as she was then, and I'm as desperately striving to be as beautiful as I was then. We were dating, we'd been dating for quite a while. We were in college at the time. I, I didn't have a lot of money, but I wanted to make this, this gift really special. So I went to the mall. I hate shopping. I hate, I really, hate's a strong word, but not strong enough for my, my dislike for the mall. But I went there, and I went into one of those stores that kind of caters to college age, high school age women. And I went in there, and I said, I want to buy something for my girlfriend and I said, I was thinking maybe a sweater or something because they had sweaters on sale. And I thought, uh, I know, this is, trust me, the story's getting, it's going to get a lot worse. But I got in there and the girl looked at me and she said, what size is your girlfriend? And I said, I don't know. She said, well, is she like my size? Is she bigger? Is she smaller? I said, well, maybe she's about your size. Honestly, I, I didn't know. I mean, who goes shopping and doesn't know what size the person is that they're buying for? But me, I did. And I was going to get the best gift possible. So this is what I did. I looked for sweaters that I liked the color of. And I found two. (laughs) 
And then I got one in each in a different size. And I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land somewhere close, right? And then I had them wrapped, and it looked really nice. I could not wait for her to open these. I was so excited. Man, was I disappointed when she opened those packages. She not only couldn't fit in either one of the sweaters, but I don't think she liked either of the colors. <laughs> to this day, I'm so grateful that I have two daughters that help now make sure that that epic birthday present buying failure never happens again. Nobody's more happy about it than Anne is, trust me. When we talk about failures in our lives, I'd love to tell you that that's the worst one that I have ever had. But the truth is, I have had plenty of failures in my life. And today, we're going to talk about moving beyond the failures of our past. There are far too many people who are living in their past. They're still gripped by the thought of that failure, that series of failures. If we're honest about it, our church is full of Uncle Rico's who are still living in 1982. You know, you remember Uncle Rico? You remember him? He's the guy from Napoleon Dynamite who said, if the coach had only put me in in the fourth quarter, we'd have won state, right? He's still living in 1982. There are a lot of us, we're living in the past. I mean, here's what I want to tell you this morning. We're no longer living in 1982 or 1992 or, 19, or 2002 or whatever the year is that seems to be the year of your greatest failure. It's time to move beyond our past. So how do we do that? Well, I want to coach you up this morning. I got three thoughts that I think can help you move beyond your past failures. And the first one is this. Recognize that your biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. Your biggest sins, not too big for God's grace. The reality is that so many of us live consumed by guilt. And guilt for, the, for, for past sins does not come from God. If you're a Christian... It doesn't come from God. We have this spiritual enemy who would love for us to just, try, just tread water in the sea of guilt. He just, that's what he wants us to do. You see, guilt does two things. The first thing, it, it paralyzes action. It keeps us from doing anything. We start thinking like, if I'm never going to get over this, I'm never going to conquer this, I'm never going to beat this failure... So why even try? And so we just quit. We just give up. The second thing that guilt does is it breeds self-hatred. The more I think about my past failure and the more it seems to kind of ruminate in my head, the more I, I despise myself, the less I like myself. The Bible, on the other hand, talks about something called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now what is that? Well, the conviction of the Holy Spirit's awesome because when the Holy Spirit's at work in you, he's convicting you, he's moving you toward health. He produces change in your life. This is 1 John 1, 9. verse you hear me quote quite often. It says simply this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God wipes us completely clean of all of our unrighteousness. That's got to be one of the most powerful verses in all of the Bible. How many of you grew up and you had one of these? Anybody? Anybody know? Yeah. You had one of these as a kid, kind of a fun toy. Uh, Some of you younger don't have any idea. You can Google this. But um, 
Here's the deal. This is called an Etch-A-Sketch, or if you live in Tennessee, it's called an iPad. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I would have said, oh, never mind. You don't need to know. It doesn't matter. If you had an Etch-A-Sketch growing up, you know these knobs. You turn these knobs and you can draw pictures in the, uh, in the graphite here on the screen. And if you, uh, if you try to make a circle and you do that, you're a genius, okay? I can never make a circle. Most people can't. But some people are really good with these things. But if you make a mistake while you're playing with your Etch-A-Sketch, drawing your Etch-A-Sketch, all you have to do is shake it and you can start brand new. That's kind of what God does. He takes our sin from our past and he wipes it away. And we get to start brand new. Here's a question. What's on the Etch-A-Sketch of your life? What is it? What's the thing that is almost embedded in the screen of your Etch-A-Sketch? You can't seem to shake it. You can't get past it. Here's the deal. If you're a Christian, God's shaking it clean. He's wiped that unrighteousness away. The Bible says that God is faithful and he's just and he will forgive us our sin. But he doesn't just stop there. Listen to what he said in Jeremiah 31 verse 34. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Did you hear that? The all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God makes a choice to limit his memory forever. He, and I quote, will remember their sins no more. Unquote. If we want to get beyond our past failures, we have to recognize that there is no sin that, will, that, we, that you or I will ever commit or ever have committed that is too big for God's grace. Now, there's a second thought that helps us to move beyond our past failures, and that is you are not what you have done. You are who God says you are. You're not what you've done. That whatever it was in the past doesn't define your, your identity. That's not who you are. That's your past. It's not your present. You are the very product and the identity of what God says about you. That's who you are. Now Satan, who's our enemy, he tries to get us to personalize our sin. As if Our sin is who we are. He tries to get us into the mindset where the things that we've done become who we see ourselves to be. Let me give you an example. It's not that you committed adultery. It's that you're an adulterer. It's not that you took some things that didn't belong to you. It's that you're a thief. Sin, listen, is an event. It's not a person. Sin is an event. It's never, ever a person. Now, there are some of you who have been living in chains because you didn't know this was true. You thought the sin made you who you were, but that's not true. Because of the mistakes of your past, you have been incarcerated. You have been locked up. It is my prayer that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll recognize just how God sees you today. Here's the key verse in this entire series. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone, and that includes all of us here, is in Christ, he is what? He's a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. 
Now that's great news for the followers of Jesus. That's great news for Christians. But that is not great news if you're not a follower. And here's why. Maybe you're here kind of kicking around the idea. Uh, you're, you're what somebody might say, test driving this Christianity a little bit. You're checking God out. You're checking out what it means to, to have faith in him. And that's great. And I'm glad that you're here. But something you need to know, in the spirit of full disclosure, the bad news that is found in 2 Corinthians 5.17 is that without Christ, you are defined by your sins. Because outside of the cross, Jesus dying there, we have no hope. We can't wash away the past. There are some people who are in this room this morning or will listen to this message online later. And you'll be listening to the message and you're going to hear God speak. You're going to hear him nudge you. He's going to be speaking into your heart. And he's calling you. He's calling you to put your faith in Jesus. Come to me, he says. And when you do that, the old life is washed away. The etch-a-sketch is shaken in your life. And all things become brand new. And a new life begins. A friend of mine, uh, Mike Bro, who spoke this past summer at the uh, North American Christian Convention, he shares a story about a friend of his by the name of Keith. Keith was one of those guys who always, his, almost his entire life was spent running from God. He burnt through lots of money trying to find meaning in his life. He's trying to cover up all the train wrecks from his past and he was uh, one of those guys who, due to the events of his past, he never felt accepted. He, uh, he was born to parents who were incapable of caring for a child. His mom had just married for the sixth time. And the guy she married was what Keith said, what he called religious. This guy would discipline Keith by whipping him with a fiberglass rod. And then he would quote the scripture, spare the rod, spoil the child. It just totally jacked Keith up when it came to God. He had this bad taste for scripture, of course, the church as a whole, and God himself. And he, he, didn't, have any, he didn't have any use for what he called religion. He saw God as a judge who just drop a hammer on you in a second and condemn you to hell. That's how he saw God. And Keith knew he could never be good enough for a God like that. He was eventually taken out of that home because of that abuse. A few years later, he hadn't seen his mom in the entire time he was removed from the home. And a few years later, she died of an aneurysm. After that, Keith said, I dove headlong into a life of drugs and alcohol abuse. This was the start of a downward spiral for him. He actually started robbing people to get money for drugs. Using was pretty much Keith's life. But then something happened. When he was 22 years old, he said he went into a bar to sell drugs and he saw a guy standing at the bar who pulled out a wad of $100 bills. And he thought to himself, that guy might need to buy some drugs. So he said he walked over and asked him, but the guy had no interest in buying drugs. He didn't want anything to do with it. 
So Keith said to him, well, if you're not going to buy from me, why don't you at least buy me a drink? And the guy looked at him, he said, get a job. (laughs) Keith said, I've been trying to get a job. The guy said, I have a store. You can come build some shelves for me in the morning. And so he gave Keith the address, bought him a drink, and figured he'd never see Keith ever again. But Keith went to the address the next morning to build the shelves. And he was kind of surprised to find that the store was an adult bookstore. Keith built the shelves that morning, and he would work there for the next 10 years. Over that time, he learned everything there was to know about the adult entertainment industry. And after 10 years working there, he left to start his own company. And before long, he became Southern California's largest distributor of pornographic materials. In fact, he was the largest West Coast distributor of all adult entertainment material. After a while, though, he said, even after all the success he'd had in the adult industry, he came to a point in his life where nothing was working anymore. You know, he said, you can't buy enough stuff to fix the feelings that you have from your past. He continued to try. He tried to run from his past. It just wasn't working. It was about that time that God started to intervene in his life. God put people in Keith's life that had helped him to pursue a relationship with Jesus. And in 2013, Keith left the adult entertainment industry. And two months later, he gave his life to Jesus and was baptized in the Pacific Ocean. A friend of Keith's told him, he said, you know, God knew what he got when he got you. Keith didn't understand all of that. He didn't know how he was going to change this big mess that was his life. But he did realize that God would take him just the way he was. And with all that sin in his past, God still said, you can be part of my family. And this hope that Keith found is a hope for everybody. No matter how messed up your past might be. Here's what the Bible says of people who are in the family of God. This is what it says about me as a Christ follower. It says, I've been adopted into the family of God. I'm blessed when I come in and when I go out. I'm more than an overcomer. I I have victory in Christ because of the blood of the Lamb. Jesus. I'm free because Jesus has set me free. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me today and gives me the ability to overcome sin and be victorious. That's what is true about me and it's true about you if you're a follower of Jesus. And the same can be true about anyone. It's true for anyone if you would just give your life to him. You're not what you've done. That doesn't have to define you anymore. Your sin's not too big for God's grace. You can be an overcomer. You can be free because of Jesus. Well, there's a third thought that I think helps us to get beyond our past, and that is you cannot change your past, but Jesus can change your future. Jesus can change your future. Several years ago, I was on a minister's retreat. I was a pretty young preacher at the time, and we were boating on Lake Harrington during our free time during that retreat. 
And we had a blast. We were water skiing. We were kneeboarding. But truthfully, we spent most of our time just trying to knock each other down while we were on the water. Okay? I'm telling you, we had a great time. I'm not saying we were very mature, you know. But when we got back to the cabin to clean up and get ready for our, our, our meetings that night, one of the guys shouted, my wedding ring is gone. And I felt bad for him. I mean, really, my wedding ring symbolizes so much to me, and it means a lot to me. I mean, it's just a piece of metal, but it means a lot to me. And so when he said that, I, I felt really bad for him. And it was in that moment, you could tell, you could feel the pain in his voice. I mean, it wasn't the end of the world, but it was something important to him. And he realized that that ring was somewhere at the bottom of Lake Harrington. He wasn't going to get it back. I mean, it was gone. You can't change that. You can't change it. You know, it's a lot like a lot of our past. There are things that we can't do to change it. There's nothing. I mean, you could try, but you can't. Your only dream was to have a good marriage, and you're in agony today because you lost your dream. Your marriage is gone. And my heart breaks for you. The truth is you can't change it. You said something that you shouldn't have said. You did something that you shouldn't have done. And it hurt people. And you can't change it. You wish you could. You wish you could go back and undo it. But you, but you can't. And nothing you say seems to fix it. But here's the deal. You can move forward. You may not be able to change the past, but you can have a different future. Never ever forget, every saint has a past, and every sinner, and that includes you and me, has a future. We have a future because of what Jesus did. Whenever Satan brings it up about your past, he tries to remind you of all the mistakes and all the failures. Just remind him of his future. All you have to say is, you're nothing. You're defeated by Jesus, and the Holy Spirit lives in me, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You can't change what happened. It's past. It's over. But I'm telling you, we serve a good God with whom all things are possible, and he's working in all things, even the bad things, to bring about good to those whose lives are loving him and called according to his purpose. I want you to know you are much more than Satan tries to define you to be. He wants to say that's who you are, that stuff that you see in the rearview mirror of your life, those big things that are oftentimes the tragedies, not the celebrations, the, the train wrecks, the mistakes, the, the stuff that causes you to really feel like you're jacked up. That's what he wants you to think you are. But you're much more than that. Because through Jesus Christ, his vision of you, his perspective of you is that you are not that. In fact, he's shaken the etch-a-sketch of your life and he said, you know what? I don't even remember that anymore. Let's move forward. Let's change the future. Let's stop living in the past. You are much more than that. Paul writes in Philippians, the third chapter, he says, not that I have already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. 
But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying in this passage is he's saying, I don't mean to say that I've achieved it all. I'm not perfect. That's what he's saying. I'm not perfect. This is the Apostle Paul. He's not perfect. In fact, if you look at his past, he actually persecuted Christians. He actually saw to it that they were taken into into, uh, custody and taken to be executed. That was part of his past. He's saying, I'm not perfect, but I press on. And that's what God will empower you to do. Press on to possess that perfection that was what Jesus Christ first possessed you for. He said, brothers and sisters, I haven't achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. There's actually two things there, but he's saying, I'm focusing on it like it's one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of this race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God has called me through Christ Jesus. Paul wasn't perfect. But what he's doing here is he's pointing out a simple reality. It was true for him. It's true for us. He's calling us to forget the past and press on. Press on. Here's what that word in the Greek means. That word forgetting, talking about our past, forgetting what is past. It means to treat with thoughtlessness. About that thought from the past, he's saying it means to willfully neglect it or leave it behind intentionally. To banish it from one's thoughts. And the reason that we can forget the past is because of what God has done for us. He has washed our sins away. He took the etch-a-sketch and he shook it. It's clean. He took the chalkboard that had all of your failures on it and he wiped it clean. All the unrighteousness, it's gone. And yet some of you, your spiritual enemy continues to haunt you with your past. And that's why you're here today. I don't think it's accidental. He wanted you to hear this. You can willfully neglect that label that has held you hostage. You can intentionally leave that sin behind you. You can banish from your thoughts the lies of the evil one. You disregard on purpose other people's cruel opinions about you. And you cease to remember that which you let go of and Christ has forgiven you of. There is no sin that you have committed that is too great for God's grace. You cannot change your past, but by the power of the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you can and he will change your future. So here's what we're gonna do as we close this message. I'm gonna pray in just a moment and we're gonna do things a little different this morning. We're going to move into our communion time at the conclusion of this prayer. And what the reason I want to do that is I want you to just take some time to reflect on the reality of what Jesus did so that our past might be erased, washed completely away. Just reflect on the sacrifice that he made on that cross. Now, maybe you're new to this thing. You're kicking the tires as we're talking about on whether or not you want to be part of what God is selling, but I want to encourage you to think about what you heard this morning and maybe the specific truth that God could wash away your past if you just stepped into a relationship with him. Maybe you want to talk more about it. I'm going to be available at the end of the service right down here. I'd love to talk to you if you want to explore that a little further. 
I hope you'll do that. Let's pray together. God, I thank you this morning for your grace and your mercy that Jesus stepped into humanity and became a sacrifice for all of mankind. You washed our sins away. God, I'm thankful that you took away the things that I wish I could do over again. God, I'm not guilty of those sins anymore because you've forgiven me. Help us to see ourselves the way you see us, as forgiven and clean. Help us to get beyond our past. And Lord, if, if this is the first time someone's ever heard this, maybe they don't, they're not part of your family yet, I pray that they would see you as the God who loves them deeply, that you held back nothing because of your love for them to wash their sins away. That's why Jesus came and died. Lord, I pray that today might be the day they take that step to say yes in accepting you as their Lord and Savior and having their past completely washed away. We thank you, God, and pray this in Jesus' name.